Why are you able to release the obsession with food? What does it mean to listen to your body? Does it mean you just eat cupcakes all day long? Like what happens for you? Right. I know it's cupcakes. I know it's cupcakes right. all day long. Just tell us the truth. <laughs> Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today I'm joined by my friend, my colleague, superstar Katie Garces. Hey Katie, how are you? Hey, good, how are you? I'm great. So we've collaborated before, but I don't think we've ever been on the air together before. I don't think you've ever come on the podcast. I think we've done a bunch of Facebook stuff together. Am I right? That's right. First time. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. And Katie, before we do anything, would you introduce yourself to everybody? Absolutely. I am Katie Garces. I am a nurse practitioner and I am a certified nutritional therapy practitioner as well. And I have been coaching and working primarily with women, but um, men and women for the last almost five years around nutrition. And that has really evolved um, into a more sort of holistic life coaching type experience when it comes to coaching. I found out a couple years into my coaching work that it's really not just about the diet and it's not just food, um, that there's a lot more to it for most people. And so that's really evolved into um, more of a holistic self-care, spiritual, almost wellness approach. So that's been, um, it's been quite a journey. It's been really fun to do. I love it. Yeah. I mean, just to connect the dots for some of the listeners, Katie and I have been colleagues for a while and we started talking more recently just because Tilly and I did the 21 days of no alcohol right at about the same time that you started talking about your sober journey with your readers and your followers. And that I was like, Katie, we got to talk. So we've been collaborating a little bit there. So some people might recognize you, Katie, from the 21 days of no alcohol challenge. But the re- this, this conversation it just sprung up naturally and came from a conversation you and I were having just totally offline. And we were talking about intuitive eating, frankly, with a small I and a small E, if you know what I mean, we were just talking about sort of the journey that we've both been on. And I said, Katie, I need to get like, we need to share our stories. We need to get this conversation on the air. And so we are doing exactly that. Today, we're having a conversation about intuitive eating. Frankly, what drives me crazy about that terminology, how I actually am trying to make it work for me. And then Katie, what you practice and what you preach. And I really wanted to just share our conversation and bring everybody else in on it. Absolutely. And I do think that there are some definite misnomers around intuitive eating. I absolutely love having conversations and making, just kind of making it clearer for people or, you know, less daunting for people because it can be really scary. Yeah. And, and hard. And one of the things that drives me crazy about the interwebs is, you know, people make things sound easy, whether I I can't, I, I don't know their intention. I'm not commenting on their intention, but the interwebs have a habit of making things sound really simple. So people struggle with binge eating or they struggle with deprivation or eating disorders, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. And then, you know, someone on the internet's like, I just started intuitive eating and and it makes it sound like it all went away. And so then the people who can't sort of snap change their behavior feel shame or feel like something's wrong with them. And that's that gray area that I love to dive into so much. And I wanted to kind of blow that up and talk with you about it today. But Katie, let's start here. Some people aren't really familiar with the term intuitive eating. What does that mean just in the, in the classic sense? 
Sure, sure. It's really how we're meant to eat. It's how we were wired to eat. We've just all forgotten it. Most of us have forgotten it because we are so inundated by culture and diet and, you know, all of that stuff we hear constantly. But it's really just a way of approaching the food and the choices that we make around food without guilt. It's a way that we approach food while we are respecting our hunger cues and our fullness cues. Both are very important. Both of those are important cues that our body has that, once again, most of us have totally lost touch with. It's seeking pleasure from our food and not guilt. We already touched on guilt. Guilt is so big with intuitive. It's really seeking enjoyment and pleasure from our food. And it's learning to, to stop eating when we're, when we're full. And again, that goes back to respecting those fullness cues, but it's really just approaching food in a way of what is my body asking for? What does my body need? Acknowledging that, respecting that, indulging in that, and then moving on and moving on with all the wonderful things that life has to offer that isn't food. We, we stop when we're done eating. We stop obsessing about food when we're done eating and move on to life, you know? And most of us, all we do is think about food. We eat and then we feel guilty or we obsess about what we just ate until it's time to eat again. So true. And it's so hard to fathom when you're in that sort of dark place with this relationship with food or this dynamic, right? It's so hard to appreciate that there was a time where you didn't think about food. You just ate. Right. Right. (laughs) You were either eating or not eating. And there was zero energy going toward that. And for some people, you know, the age varies, but I just like to think of intuitive eating as eating the way that I did when I was six years old. Exactly. I ate because I was hungry. I stopped eating when I was done. And I literally never thought about it again until I got hungry again. The end. Exactly. And that's what I always say. I said, kids, for the most part, intuitive eat. Animals, intuitive eat. Whether your kids are picky eaters or not. I know my kids have gone through phases where like they won't touch vegetables. And then one week, that's like all they'll eat. And it's almost like the body innately knows that they need those micronutrients, that they need those greens, that fiber, whatever. Our bodies know exactly what we need. And that's where I think intuitive eating gets, it really hits the mark is because if we're following a really strict diet that says, hey, you can't eat more than X amount of carbs per day, or you need to eat this amount of protein plus a day, but your body's like, that's too much for me. And you're gagging down hard-boiled eggs at nine o'clock to hit your protein goals, we well, yeah, no wonder you're not losing weight because it's too much, even if the program says so. <laughs> you know, so that's when we have to really start learning to listen to what our body needs and wants. And it changes. And that's the other thing. It changes from week to week, month to month, you know? Well, I have talked about my journey on the air. I did a lot of that last year and I'll I'll recap that and bring some people up to speed. And then I really want to hear about your journey as well, Katie. But I came from a hmm, try everything once kind of mentality. You know, I've done literally every diet and then I just stopped calling them diets and started calling them lifestyles. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you haven't fixed your relationship with food, a diet lifestyle or an eating lifestyle is still a diet. So yeah. the, the relationship is actually the key. And then when I really started hacking and not getting results, Katie, I my eating, my disordered relationship with food came back up for me big time. So here I was, like I'd been doing the podcast for at least three years. I was fully immersed in this world and I was having binge eating episodes that were increasing in frequency. And this was just a year ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I honestly just thought, well, I must now just be crazy because I'm happy. I'm not eating because I have bad feelings about my mother. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That tired joke. Um, I'm a happy human and yet I still have binge eating episodes. And then I really started diving in and I started getting into habits and also, which is a whole nother topic, and but, but really understanding the science of my brain is another way to say that. 
as well as really looking at what I had done to my relationship with food, my dynamic with food. And that led me to a place where the only place I was able to find peace, and again, not as a done deal, I want to be really clear, I still manage my thoughts every day around food. Katie, I want to be really honest with that. There's no other side to this for me. The same way someone who has an alcohol problem probably will never stop fully managing their relationship with alcohol. Mm -hmm. I have to eat every day. And so I have to manage my thoughts around food every day. But wow, that voice is like at a level one instead of a level 10. And that journey has been brutal and fascinating and so it's taught me so, so much about so many other things about myself. It's, it's honestly been worth it in that regard. But where I ended up, I suppose, it's in a place that I would call intuitive eating because I'm listening to my body more. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But tell me, Katie, more about your journey. Yeah, and my journey is actually pretty similar. I've tried every, every diet in the book. And I feel like I have been doing some sort of dieting for most of my adult life. When I went back to nutrition school like five, six years ago, I was learning about basically a different diet philosophy a week. And I read the book and I'd be like, oh, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. I'm in. And then I would read the next book the next week, which basically completely contradicted what I just read. And I was like, oh, this is it. You know? But wait, it completely contradicts that. And so I basically left nutrition school really more confused than ever. Um, you get all this knowledge, but you don't really know what to do with it. And it all sounds pretty darn good. And everybody and anybody can be really convincing with what you know their latest diet is. So yeah, I have absolutely tried all of it. I jumped on the paleo bandwagon when that, that kind of came across my plate right after my kids were born, actually. I had twins and that was really effective for me to lose that extra weight. I don't bash paleo. I think paleo can be very healing for a lot of conditions. What gets what's the problem is that like for things like Whole30, programs out there can be very beneficial to learn how to eat real food, to help, you know, heal some conditions, but it's when we hold on too tightly to them that we can get into trouble. And that's what started happening with me. I was coaching Whole30 pretty much monthly for people at my gym. And I was noticing that, you know, people would have great success, lose weight, and then come back a few months later and be like, well, it all came back and, and I don't know what to do. And so it was this, it was basically that diet roller coaster, right? That yo-yo dieting. And they're all like, what's the next thing? And that was me. I mean, I feel like oftentimes we attract clients and people very similar to us. And so for me, it just works till it doesn't. And I felt like that's how a lot of things went for me. Um, Strict paleo, super low carb, even intermittent fasting, which I still believe in, in certain, you know, certain conditions and cases. But like for me, I would hold on so tight, I would get results. But then like you said, I would start like for me with intermittent fasting. I mean, I did it successfully for two years until until I started noticing when I would break my fast I was starting to overeat and that didn't happen at first. And I was like, well, what's this about? Like, I'm like, it has to work because it's worked for so long. And the thing is that's, it doesn't have to work. Things start, stop working and that's okay. And we have to be able to release that and let it go. That's a huge problem for people. They just don't want to let it go because it worked at one time. I just kind of hit this spot, you know, around age 40, about a year and a half ago, I was just exhausted. I'm like, I don't want to go on another program on Monday or at the start of the month, or I've, I've exhausted it. I'm just tired. I was so tired of the mental energy I was expending and that sort of up and down and being really strict for a month and feeling great, but then overdoing it and just sort of this pendulum. And I was like, there's got to be an easier way. <laughs> and I remembered learning about intuitive eating in nutrition school. And I remember thinking, yeah, that sounds really nice, but that's not for me. And I kind of felt like it was 
it just kind of came back to me to, to revisit it. And it felt like, and it seemed like the most natural place to go. And honestly, going into it scared me to death because I needed to have, you know, a yes, no plan or a list or, you know, guidelines to follow because that's how I've been eating for 20 years. And so to not have that was scary as hell. But I was just at the end of my rope with the dieting thing. I'm like, I got to give this a full shot because I don't want to be there anymore. I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of ups and downs. And so that's kind of where I landed with the intuitive eating. And it was actually around the holidays this time last year that I gave it my, my full go, which is an interesting time to do it. But I had what I would call success and we can talk about that. And ever since then, it's just like you said, it's just what I, it's how I live now because I know honoring my body, giving it what it needs, when it needs it, and being okay with things not maybe fitting into what I feel like is quote healthy or, um, but if I'm feeling good and that's how it comes down, what comes down to at the end of the day is how do I feel? Not what my neighbor's doing or my gym member, you know, how do I feel? Is that in line with how I live my life? Um, and that's what's working right now. Yeah. It's so seductive to still want to find the magic pill, right? It's such a seductive temptation. Almost like a little addiction. Yes. Like look at her, look what she's doing or look at that Mm -hmm. guy who said that this is the answer to everything. And I so want to believe him and blah, 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 blah. But the truth is the stuff that works is a little bit harder and takes Mm -hmm. a little bit more time. And Mm -hmm. that is why I don't think I'll ever shut off that part of my brain, that little lizard brain. That's like, Oh no, there's a magic pill out there. You'll find it eventually. Well, and like you said, I mean, that's something that you have to continue to manage. And I think for anybody who's struggled with this, even on a small level, it is, it's something that we're going to carry with us through our life. And so it, it really is about managing it and getting the tools that we can be as happy and peaceful with our relationship with food as we can. And knowing that it's always going to be a part of our life. And yeah, there's going to be days probably weren't the greatest and you might feel a little bad about your choice, but that's another huge part of intuitive eating is not letting yourself spiral and just being like, ah, yeah, look what happened. Okay. Because when we hold on to that and spiral, that's when we get into trouble again. That is so true. In fact, we will talk about what intuitive eating looks like for you. And I'll share what it actually, I mean, because people really want to know this. They're like, yeah, but what does it really mean? But Mm -hmm. what I would like to do is I'd like to first share some problems that I have with it, because I think a lot of people have mental hurdles that they have to get over when they think about the subject. I did. One of the things I struggle with that I know that a lot of people struggle with is they feel like if I start eating intuitively, like I just start paying attention to the voice in my head, I'm face first in a bag of chips and chocolate. Like that's what I'm doing. (laughs) So you want to talk to me about intuitive eating. I'm going to be obese in three months. I mean, this is the thing we do. So what do you say to people who start there? Right. And that's a totally valid concern because again, people who have been within the confines of a program, they're like, oh my gosh, if I have no restrictions, I am, I'm going to go straight to McDonald's or eat this food I haven't had in 10 years. And the thing is, it's not uncommon for people to maybe overdo it the first few days. They're like, oh, freedom. And they go and eat like a bunch of crap. They feel like crap. (laughs) They realize, okay, well, maybe that when it's not forbidden anymore, it kind of does lose its luster. And that's a huge piece of it. When we take all restrictions off, it's like, oh, it's not this like forbidden, like the cookies that are in the pantry that are calling my name for a week. Like, no, they're there. And sometimes I forget about them because there's no restriction around them. So yes, some people do have that sort of little bump of like a couple days of like free for all, but most people kind of come back to center. And I always say the best way, if you're really struggling with like cravings and stuff, because I always say we we crave what we eat. So if we've been eating a lot of sugar, if we've been eating a lot of junk, we're going to continue to crave it. If we eat a lot of vegetables, if we eat a lot of healthy fats and stuff, we will actually, believe it or not, start to crave that stuff. So even taking just a few days 
to eat really, quote, clean, right? Just real close to the food chain, whatever that means to you. Real food. Just eat real food for a couple days. Try to get rid of the processed stuff and the sugar just for a few days. That's going to help clean the slate for your body so you can actually start listening to what your body really is asking for. Not more sugar, not more junk, um, because you've gotten rid of that for a couple of days. And not to say that you can't ever have that stuff, but if that's all you're eating, that's what your body's going to continue to crave. And we want to get to a place where our body craves healthy food because that's what our body really does want. A lot of times when people talk about this issue, they say you have to allow yourself to eat whatever you want for three months. And yes, sometimes you'll gain weight. And so, and that scared the crap out of me, Katie. And the truth is like, I fully agree with you. I have never, this doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Okay. I didn't. And I have not met anyone yet who totally did that for three months. Like I do not find that that's realistic that people do that for months upon months upon months. I really don't. So Mm -hmm. that's not a scientific study. (laughs) It's just an opinion. Okay. The second thing that I wanted to share, and this is the like totally unsexy part. I still get in patterns where I just start eating poorly because typically it follows a bunch of travel. So if I'm traveling a lot or, you know, I'm doing 12 hour days and just generally living out of balance, Katie, I find that I need to pattern interrupt. And all I do is I go somewhere like um, Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or something, and I buy a bunch of prepared salad, total convenience foods, to be clear, super lazy, more expensive, like the stuff I try to avoid normally. And I will fill my refrigerator with a bunch of convenience food that's still like fresh vegetables and salad. And I pattern interrupt and I have Mm -hmm. that stuff available to me. And what I mean is if you've been junking it for a while, doing some sort of pattern interrupt is important so that you can tune into your body, try to turn the volume up on your intuition, not immediately revert back to your original habit. And that's nothing I've ever heard anyone say before. So I really appreciate you calling that out. Yeah, I think that's great. For me, it's around stress, higher of stress, I noticed some of the bad habits want to creep out. Um, and also with travel, I mean, we were out of town for the weekend a couple weeks ago, and I came home feeling just, you know, you don't sleep right. You don't sleep the same when you're out of town, like you don't eat as well. So the first thing I was like, I went to yoga and I got a green juice. I don't get green juices daily, but I knew I needed to sweat and I knew I needed to kind of clear the slate and start with something really fresh and good for my body. So same thing, pattern interrupt. I love that term. And even then you were listening to what your body was asking for. Yes, absolutely. It felt amazing. It wasn't like, oh, I got to go do this. It felt amazing. The second thing that I struggle with, I struggle with the fact that there is this implication that if you eat intuitively, you will lose weight. And I find that really problematic on so many levels. One is a lot of people say, I'm going to try intuitive eating and they take it on as a diet. (laughs) And that's like, that's exactly no. But it's very tempting to do that, Katie, when your body feels out of control, when it feels like it doesn't matter what you do, you're gaining weight and it's piling on and you feel like you are not owning your own body. And so along comes intuitive eating and it sounds like a magic pill and you tie it to a specific outcome. I don't mean that you don't lose weight doing intuitive eating. To be totally honest, here's the rub. Here's why it's tricky and sticky, Katie. If we're going to tell the truth, I did lean back to my normal body when I started intuitive eating. And I know you did too. Is that true? Yep, I did. (laughs) It's like the dirty truth, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if you take on intuitive eating as a diet for a specific outcome, it is fatally flawed. I would agree. So I coach a lot of clients on intuitive eating. And I would say most people, the outcome for them is this mental relief, is this peace around, I don't have to 
fight this battle anymore. I can, I can go on vacation and enjoy my family and enjoy whatever we're eating um, and not be so restricted because I'm on a diet or if not feel so guilty all the time. And, you know, I had a client just yesterday came back from a family vacation where she always either gains weight or she's miserable because she's restricting herself the whole time. And she came back from four days with her family. They ate their Italian food. They're Italian. She ate, didn't eat too much, just enjoyed herself, was very present. And she didn't gain weight on her trip. And I'm like, I can step on an airplane and I gain a couple pounds no matter what I'm eating. I mean, I, I think it's very common just to gain a couple pounds when you travel. And she, I was so proud of her and she was so pleased just to have been so present, to enjoy herself so much, to enjoy some of those family favorite food-wise things and to not have gained weight on a family trip. And she is in such a more peaceful place with her relationship with food, so much more present with her family, with her kids, like not so obsessed about the food. That to me is a goal and a successful outcome of intuitive eating. And that is why I went into it. You know, the, the few pounds that I did lose, which I think were on from stress, from stress about eating, those melted away, but that was kind of just like a nice side benefit. And I don't, I think most people go into it because they're just ready to have some peace and get back to living their life and stop this sort of obsession and battle with the food. And I think it's just such a happier place to live. And really that's what it's all about, right? On your deathbed, you don't want to be sure wish I had those three or four extra pounds off. That's not living. Yeah. I, and there's some magic involved here where when you are trying intuitive eating as just another hack, it doesn't work. Again, it might work until it doesn't, but it won't right. <laughs> after a while. And to me, here's the magic bit. The magic bit is when you are, the outcome that you are seeking is how you want to feel that day and mm -hmm. a general harmony, a general sense of balance restored to you where your whole life is not about food. When you right. want the outcome to be a relationship and a state of being, then the magic, that's the magic. And then the outcome, the other outcomes may ensue, but you can't pursue them. They have to ensue. And maybe right. your body isn't meant to release the weight. Maybe it's not meant to release the weight right now, but wow, what if you could release that mental weight? Katie, I have this theory that when we get our lives in balance and we get our hearts and our minds in alignment, that, that wellness, like when we pursue that holistic wellness, that some of the physical aspects ensue Mm -hmm. even though we're not running at them so hard. You know, if you're going for a hack, then hack your happiness, man. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% agree with that. I love the analogy, and Mark David uses this, that our relationship with food is the longest relationship of our life, if you think about it that way, right? I mean, from the moment we're born, we need food, we need nutrition. And we are going to be with this relationship for our entire life. Relationships change, they have ups and downs, and we can throw all the analogies at that. But if you really just say, like, for me, my relationship with food was always kind of like a confrontational headbutt, right? It was like me against the food. Like, how am I going to control this? How am I going to manipulate this so I can get what I want? And when I finally you know, embraced the analogy of, okay, we're going to, instead of being head against head, we're going to almost walk hand in hand, as cheesy as it sounds, but like, hey, let, we're, we're in this together. Let's do this together. And that was like, it was like this huge relief. It was like this huge weight off my back. Like, okay, we're in this together. I don't have to fight you. And it was just such a, a relief. And I think that's what the, a huge component of the intuitive eating is, for, especially for chronic dieters. It's just yeah. around that. And when we can decrease that stress, I don't think a lot of people realize how much stress they carry just around their food choices, dieting, body, number on a scale, number on pants, whatever. When we can release that excess stress, Lord knows we all have enough stress in our life. Like we have an opportunity to bring our cortisol levels down a little bit more than they are at, right? And that will help usually release some weight. It helps us just be in general, a little calmer, a little more happy and peaceful and present. 
And so that's another huge component of it that I don't even think people realize how much stress we carry around with our food choices. No, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it at all, speaking from personal experience. Let's share some principles of intuitive eating and then tell me what it looks like in your life. Because people people are dying to know, but yeah, but okay, but what does that mean? Like, does that mean you eat Doritos for breakfast? Like, what are we talking about here? So the kind of core principle here is eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. But Katie, that's not always easy. <laughs> what does that look like in your life? Okay. So yes, I think a lot of us eat because um, either the clock says it's time, right? Oh, it's noon. I better eat right now. Well, if you're not hungry, you don't necessarily have to. And I'm not encouraging people to go to the point that they're like starving and ravenous, but just because we think it's time to eat doesn't not necessarily mean we have to. So it's just a point on that. But for me, and I use this example a lot, when I was paleo, low carb girl, like breakfast was always going to be like eggs and sausage or bacon, you know, something very savory, low carb, higher fat, higher protein. And I ate that way forever. And I enjoy that breakfast. Don't get me wrong. But I'll never forget, and this is something I do now all the time in my breakfast, but I'll never forget the first day it hit me. We were at a restaurant. It was a really high quality restaurant, good quality food, house made everything. And on the menu, it was like yogurt, housemade, you know, yogurt with housemade granola and berries. And my, I was, my mouth was like watering. I'm like, that sounds so good. But then this like, you know, brain voice of mine, like, no, that's probably too high sugar. You need to have the eggs. And I kind of went back and forth for a while in my brain. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to get what sounds good. This is a really high quality food. I'm going to get this. I ate it. I enjoyed it. And I felt really satisfied and went on with my day. Now, had I gone ahead and gone the eggs and sausage or whatever, it probably would have been fine. It probably would have been yummy, but it wasn't really satisfying my urge at that morning for crunchy, cold, and a little sweet. And so I probably would have gone home and started digging through the cabinet to satisfy that urge. And then I would have eaten, ended up eating more <laughs> had I just acknowledged what my body wanted and gave, given it to it, which is what I did do that day. And so that's what I do a lot now, especially with my breakfast, because I wake up and I'm like, okay, what do I feel like today? I feel like like a hot oatmeal? Like, do I feel like sort of comforty, warm, especially if we're coming into winter? Or do I feel like the eggs, you know, because I make my kids eggs almost every morning. Do I feel like that? Or do I feel like a yogurt bowl with my fresh berries and my good granola? I really, I check in every morning to see what's up. And because of that, I feel like I'm satisfied. I can make it till my next meal. I, you know, I stop when I'm full. And so that's... I said that's a great example because I think we get so hung up on, well, that's not that's high carb or oh, God forbid I eat fruit because it's got sugar in it. You know, it's like, but if that's what your body's asking for, like you might be surprised. You're not going to gain 20 pounds overnight because you had fruit. <laughs> like it's just, and it's kind of, sometimes we have to step into that and just trust and just see, like almost treat it like an experiment. Like let's just stop that, step back, get rid of any guilt or judgment around it and just experiment and see what is going to work for my body. You eat something that you think you wanted and then you notice your energy is totally like slumped the rest of the day. Like, well, maybe that wasn't the best choice for me first thing in the morning. Knowing that it can change even day to day and, and just respecting that. It's so funny. I have the exact same story. I mean, the exact same story because yogurt and granola and berries was on the no list for so long. And now I scoff at that. I scoff at that judgment. There are so many foods that I eat now that I would never have eaten two years ago. And they include what we just talked about. They include like, I start my day so often now with like a muesli and I wouldn't, if you called it cereal, it was not allowed in my house for, I mean, right, right, for years, yeah. okay. And I love it. And I have it with like coconut milk or macadamia nut milk or almond milk or something. And I love it. And it makes me so happy. And I feel like a kid again and nothing bad has happened. Nothing. <laughs> 
the other night, I wanted popcorn so badly. And I crave popcorn that I pop myself in oil on the stove. And I made probably my body weight in popcorn. (laughs) And I sat down and Katie, I ate that and it made me so happy and nothing bad happened. And so there are all these foods now that I will eat that I didn't eat three years ago. But guess what? Because I'm paying attention, there are so many foods that I don't eat now. I think this is interesting. I've never even thought about I've never connected the dots until this conversation. There are so many foods that I don't eat now. And I'll give you some examples because I'm listening to my body. So when I was legalizing certain foods, I only had certain foods available in the pantry. And so the things I would eat when I was sort of scavenging would be like Lara bars or any kind of energy bar that I get for my son that I wouldn't normally eat and that would be bad for me, but okay for him or his cookies. Like I don't like them, but if I'm scavenging around the kitchen and I can't eat, I would find myself eating his cookies, not because I enjoyed them, but because they were bad. You with me? Totally. Okay. There are so many other examples of things I don't even particularly care for that I would find myself eating when I was in a bad period. Now they can exist all over my house because I don't want them and I'm not not allowed to have them. Therefore, I don't care. They're they're as neutral to me as having a tomato would be. It's just like, I want all food to just look like a tomato to me. Like I don't have any judgment around it. Right. I either want the tomato or I don't want the tomato. I don't have emotions about the tomato. Right, right. Well, the thing that you said, I, I can't believe I didn't see it earlier is like when I was back when I was afraid of fruit because it had too much sugar in it, I wouldn't have the fruit, but then I wouldn't have any carbs. But then like, I'm, um, you know, eight o'clock all of a sudden, yeah, I'm like digging through my kids' Halloween candy, eating a bunch of processed crappy sugar when it would have been better just to have the damn pear, right? Like, it doesn't, it's made no logical sense, but I think that's, those are both perfect examples of how it's just like, okay, you want something a little sweet? You want, you know, you need a little bit of carb, eat some carbs, eat what will really fuel your body and make you feel good as opposed to restrict, restrict, restrict. So you get to a point where your willpower is gone. I won't even use the word carbs anymore. And it's something I did unconsciously. And then when I sort of realized that I did it, I am kind of honoring it, but I generally speaking, try to focus on what I feel like my body probably needs, like what it needs in it instead of what it needs out of it. Right. I agree. And I think the fact that food has been basically just turned into a macro, protein, fat, or carb. You can even talk, to, talk about it as if it's food. And, you know, 40 years ago, maybe even less, nobody talked about food that way, really, maybe scientists. But that's how we all address food now. And that's just kind of, it takes away from it. I mean, there are so many amazing, millions of different beautiful foods available to us on this earth, real food. Like, let's give those the respect that they deserve and call them by their name. Yeah, it takes a lot away from it. Okay, so that's an important tenet that I would say fall, you know, supports the intuitive eating. That's one of the pillars. And that is just challenging the moralization of foods as good or bad. What if it was just a tomato? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, Katie, before we wrap up, there is something that intuitive eating does for us. Do you find that it's helped you stop putting so much emphasis on food? It just in general? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that used to be all I would think about, plan, work on. And I have now cleared up that um, that sort of energetic space in my brain to do a lot of other things. And it's so, it's just, it's just such a better place to be and to not have to think about it all the darn time. That, that's one of the biggest benefits for me, actually. What does it mean to listen to your body? Does it mean you just eat cupcakes all day long? Like what happens for you? Right. I know so, it's you know, cupcakes. I know it's cupcakes all day long. Just tell us the truth. 
No, it's actually not. So, you know, they say like what we think about expands, like they say that in a lot of different realms. So if you're constantly thinking about food or obsessing about food, it is only going to get bigger and bigger. I don't have, because I am satisfied because I got the pleasure I was seeking. I actually don't think about food. It's not a conscious choice. I just don't until I start getting a rumbling tummy. I'm like, oh, it's starting to, I'm starting to get hungry again for lunch. And then once again, I check in like, what sounds good? Nobody, I mean, being hungry for a period of time, longer period of time, it can get uncomfortable. I understand that. But just to like know that I am that sort of that much more connected to my body that I can sense and get those hunger cues and same thing. Like I know when I can stop eating and I don't have to clear my plate. Um, we get so obsessive about food. It's, you know, like, I have to eat it all, lick the plate, you know. Um, so it's just really kind of checking in almost meal to meal. Let yourself, if you're wanting something and something's really delicious and eating the spot for you, have some, and you might be surprised you only have a couple bites of it. And you know, a lot of people are like, I can't imagine ever only having a couple fries. I, I couldn't either. <laughs> and now I can, because I think if it's worth it to me, if it tastes really darn good, I'll eat it. If I have a bite, I'm like, that's not worth it to me. Like it doesn't taste good. I put it down. And like you said, nothing happened. And like the world keeps spinning. So I think when we take away the good, bad, sort of the morality around food, we take away the forbiddenness and all the restrictions, all of those sort of weird rebel like behaviors kind of go out the window. And it's, does this taste good to me? Does this feel good to me and my body? Well, I want to encourage people to dive into some additional resources here. I will put some in the show description. There'll be a link. And when you click on the link, I'll take you to all these resources, including a program of yours, which I'd like you to mention. Um, actually, go ahead and mention it now. And then, But then I want to do a lightning round on holiday tips because it is the season and you just mentioned it. Let's hit some of those before we wrap. But Katie, in addition to a couple books that I'm going to direct people to, to kind of dive deeper into this. What resources of yours can I share with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. I'll send over. I did a blog after a sort of holiday um, intuitive eating experiment last year. And I think it's entitled, I didn't detox this January and here's why. And it really just goes through a lot of what we've talked about, like how I just really embraced intuitive eating. And because of that, I wasn't a hot, puffy mess in desperate need of detox come January 1st. And then I do have a, a eating intuitively audio, audio program. It's a two-part program. So you can listen just like you're listening to a podcast. Um, and it really just kind of gives some sort of fundamentals on what exactly intuitive eating is and how we can get there. And then it talks, walks you through really exactly how you can get started, ask questions and how I approach it. And so it's a very approachable program, really low, low price. And um, I just want everybody to, to really understand that. And most people who've listened to it have been like, I never knew other people feel felt like this way. I never knew I could approach things this way. So it's kind of like a big freedom, a permission for freedom around food. Um, so I would love anybody who's interested to check that out as well. Okay, good. We'll include that because I think having somewhere else to go is useful after this conversation. Okay, yeah. so let's wrap up with a lightning round. The holidays are coming. I have a couple tips. Let me hear your big ones. How do you suggest people proceed through the next couple of months? Yeah, I think instead, I used to go into the holidays scared to death of them, like physically scared because I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't, even though everything in my body was like, but that's memories and that's nostalgia and it's the season. Just have, you know, and so it would be this inner conflict until I finally just gave in and overate them. So when I, when I go into the holidays, I know that there's certain things that I love. I'm going to be present for them. I'm going to enjoy them. I'm not going to eat them in a hurried, almost like private, like, let me get this down before anybody sees me because that's just cortisol going up again. And by the way, when our cortisol is high, it's harder for us to get the pleasure we're seeking from food. There's something you know you love, then go into it very presently and very purposely and enjoy the heck out of it. It's just really entering the holiday season, knowing what it is that's important to you, what you like, and being able to be present and enjoy it. 
Yeah, I actually think it's an opportunity. Like, I think it's a really special opportunity to sort of road test this. I can't think mm -hmm. of a better time actually to try to enjoy some of the things and take the time. One thing that's a principle that's sort of key to intuitive eating and that I think makes an enormous difference is making sure that you don't lose touch with your body. Because part of intuitive eating is existing below the neck as well and not just cutting yourself off from the neck down and just being totally out of sync with your body, hiding your body disconnecting yourself almost spiritually from your body. My number one tip is to move your body. So move your body 15 minutes a day. Move your body in some way 15 minutes a day. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care what's going on with the holidays. Jump up and down, walk the dog, you know, do what you need to do, do some stretches or just plain exercise. 15 minutes a day. It will revolutionize how you eat because it helps you get in balance so much faster. It's a magic pill. If you're looking for a magic pill, move your body for 15 minutes a day in combination with turning up the volume and your intuition. To me, Katie, that is what cinched it. I would agree a hundred percent. And that was another component for me when I went into this intuitive eating test last year. I knew how I wanted to feel at the end of the holiday. I knew how I didn't want to feel. And I knew that things like movement and exercise were going to help me feel the way I wanted to feel. And so if there was, you know, so I knew by maintaining sleep and exercise, it's going to help me eat the way I wanted to and feel the way I wanted to on the other end. I hear you. Why not take care of yourself because it's the holiday season? Like why not flip that script? <laughs> yes. Katie, thank you so much as usual. This was a very interesting conversation for me. I hope it helps somebody. If I could spare somebody all of the heavy lifting that I dealt with and that I know that you struggled with too, if we could spare them even two days of that, you know, if we could shorten their heavy lifting, that would warm my soul. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Thank you so much for having me. I love, love, love talking to you. And this is one of my favorite subjects. Thanks, Katie. Catch you later. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.